Hello and welcome back to Body and Wine Podcast. I'm Charlie Gray, your host, and hallelujah, we've got a season two all lined up for you. I'm so excited to share the conversations that I've got recorded and ready to roll out for you this season. Uh, I'm currently recording from my bed, which seems quite fitting for the material of this podcast. And the conversation I'm going to share with you today gets unapologetically sinful. I share the cup with my lovely friend Michiko, who at the time of this recording was on their way to becoming a United Church minister, but one cut from a different cloth than you'd typically think of when it comes to the collar. We talk about what it means to be queer and Christian, what tools we activists and allies can use in our social justice movements to support each other and our causes, and much more. Cheers to sharing wine and colorful conversation. Here's Michiko. Please, we're so hungry. We're hungry for more. body of those listening is the temple of the Holy Spirit and together we desire and agree that it is in good health. Today's podcast was recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse nations, Inuit and Métis peoples. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. <laughs> I never know how to pour it. Is that that's, enough? That's I like, think that's good. That's good. <laughs> cool. Yay. Cheers. Thanks for being here. <laughs> We're drinking a wine called Unapologetically Sinful. But also a lot of other things, like indulgent, brilliant, wicked, luscious. What's your favorite word on that? So I had to say, when you were asking about which one to choose, because yeah. I think it was Frisky Beaver, the yeah. other choice. Yeah. Um, this one stood out to me because um, one of the things I've been really trying to like live into lately and mm-hmm. own for myself is the idea of being unapologetically queer. Uh-huh. And so that word, like unapologetic, was just like, yeah. Bingo. That is perfect. Love that. Mm-hmm. Unapologetic. Hmm. What does unapologetically queer mean to you? Like, why is that coming to be something you're focusing on right now? One of my sort of like journeys into like understanding what queerness was was in a relationship that was very not safe. Hmm. There was a lot of the like relationship dynamic, which was just me apologizing wow. over and over again. Wow. And so for me, I think there was a part of like, I always felt like I'd failed to be queer because I had mm. failed in this relationship. Mm. And so I got to a point where I kind of thought, I am queer and mm-hmm. I shouldn't have ever had to have apologized for it. Yeah. So the unapologetic piece, I think, is about mm. letting go of the weight that I carry from right. that. Right. Of the literal apologies that you made. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I'm happy for you, at least that you're at that place of, like, not apologizing anymore. Because no. a wicked part of who you are. Not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Maybe that's, like, a good place to introduce. Just that's podcast a, that's a pretty intense introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I 
my name. Know. <laughs> um, um, so my name is Michiko, and I use they and them pronouns. And a bit about me is that I was born in Ottawa, currently live in Toronto, which is part of the Dish with One Spoon Covenant. Mm. And I am in congregational ministry currently in the East End of Toronto. And my hope uh, is that I will be become an ordained minister mm. within the United Church of Canada. So hoping for that to be in my future. Nice. I identify as a queer person of color, as non-binary, and I came out while I was in seminary. Wow. Um, so came out as Christian, came out as queer, just huh. did it all at once. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Was it intentional? Well, I th- so the weird thing is, and maybe this is what other people have um, also experienced when you're assigned female at birth, and, you know, as a teenager, I thought I was a woman, and... Um, would often tell people that I was bisexual, mm-hmm. do very bisexual things, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, make yeah. out with people of all genders, yeah. and yet at some level it seemed like that never really made me queer enough. Mm. Like, it never, people never kind of said, oh, right, mm. now I see you as bisexual. Huh. Like, it's a level of erasure, I think, yeah. because um, especially, like, women loving women is just... Mm-hmm so often commodified as like something that mm-hmm. the straight male can consume yeah that or it's not taken seriously right yeah. in its own right so yeah i think i've been trying to come out yeah <laughs> for a very long time mm. and then i just said enough is enough and yeah. moved to toronto mm-hmm. you know cut my hair mm-hmm. <laughs> classic uh queer yeah, yeah. <laughs> move there and uh yeah, just really adamantly sort of started naming myself as queer. Wow. And then when you say you came out as Christian, you weren't before that? Or were you... Um, so maybe I heard that wrong. I Yeah. Well, I was born and raised in the United Church of Canada. Mm-hmm. But being a questioning teenager, mm-hmm. um, they had a lot of questions around like justice and images mm-hmm. of God in a world where there was suffering. I just didn't get those questions answered mm-hmm. adequately. Mm-hmm. The church that I was attending, I experienced homophobia and biophobia, and I just, I, I left. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so I thought I was atheist. Um, I feel like, as I look back on it now, it's probably hard to be very angry at God mm-hmm. and also think that God doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So you're like, um, what was I angry towards then? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was definitely a conversation still happening, huh. but it felt very one-sided to me. Mm. But I hadn't identified as Christian then for okay. a long, long time. Like, especially mm. not as like an adult that was sort of naming myself. Right. Let alone then going into ministry. Right. Yeah. So good for you just jumping in. <laughs> yeah, I thought worst case scenario, I learn a bit more about mm-hmm. a faith tradition that shapes a lot of our social political realities. Yeah. So if I'm gonna be an activist, I should probably know how this huge institution Yeah, functions. Yeah. Wow. And why um why like why ministry other than like that is the worst case scenario? Like was there something attractive to you about those roles um yeah yeah i guess even as a teenager i was very interested in social justice very passionate about political Mm. issues and just politics in general and 
during my undergrad was really that opportunity I had to become involved with uh, movements for justice and community mm. organizing and things like mm-hmm. that. I quickly realized that people caring about the world doesn't really mean that they are like inherently good people, mm-hmm. um, that they know how to um, be in relationship and mm. how to actually build um, healthy and safe communities. Mm-hmm. And that when answering questions around um, your sense of call in the world, the, this idea that there's something bigger than you asking you to make the world a better place, the, those things all touch a very deep spiritual place. Mm. And yet we were just operating in such a secular yeah. sort of way right? and not engaging in those questions. And so for me, I was just curious about, you know, what does spirituality have to offer to mm-hmm. all of these movements? Mm. I think that's really beautiful because I think I definitely think that in some of the, at least more, I would say like harder core self-identified like activist spaces that I've been in over the years, not only in Palestine, but here at home also, some communities did just seem to be, I don't know, like a little bit devoid of spiritual spirituality or sometimes were so toxic and, and resting in anger that there didn't seem to be like healthy other structures or systems or whatever in place to kind of work through those emotions so they just got stuck kind of some people would maybe not even label those spaces as needing any sort of like spiritual care but I think that's just because yeah maybe there's like an aversion to thinking that spirituality equals like religion and they want to be left out of that or whatever yeah and it makes me think of I'm reading all about love right now Mm. by bell hooks Mm. and Uh, She does a really good job of naming the fact that, you know, if we actually don't name things like love Mm -hmm. and we don't have a definition for it, then how can we actually Mm. know whether or not we're doing it? And so, you know, so often in justice movements, we do bring up these concepts. Yeah. And then just don't seem to actually have the tools to live into it. Yeah. And like, and for me, the other question around spirituality and why engage in it is also that I was seeing that people felt that there was something missing Mm. but often then what would end up happening is that they would start appropriating um spiritual traditions that were not their own in order to fill that void right right so then Mm. you have a lot of settlers that are appropriating different forms of indigenous spirituality um and for me that was not okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was very troubled with that and even just um People that, you know, had left organized religion for many good, valid reasons, because organized religion is a hot mess, Mm. Um, but then had turned to sort of new age spirituality in Mm. ways where there wasn't structures that held people accountable. Right. So they were actually still doing harm with sort of like spiritual bypassing or, you know, using the the sort of spiritually language as a way of causing harm to Mm -hmm. people in the community. Mm -hmm. And I was also concerned about that. Yeah. So... Hmm. So do you envision any of your ministry, or is this already happening now, as like not necessarily being in formal church spaces or even like Christian spaces? Like, do you see any of that ministry going beyond Christian traditions? Yeah, I certainly think that my ministry will be an adventure. Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited to see where it takes me. But what I've noticed so far is that there are so many people in the world that are actually very eager and excited to talk about Mm. spirituality they just don't want to be in a space where they're feeling judged 
um, or expected to have answers Mm -hmm. in order to have the conversation. Yesterday, as I'm like sitting in an airport, you know, about to board my flight, you know, you can start a conversation and they're sort of like, oh, you don't look like a minister. Hmm. You don't look like what Hmm. I thought a Christian would look like. Hmm. And just that starts the conversation. What's going on there? Yeah. I think that is like the fun part about ministry, right? Mm. To be able to disrupt the ideas of, mm. um, I think healthy spirituality should be for everyone. Yeah. And that's part of like why I decided to go into the church is I thought mm. this should be a space where everyone should be able to access it and everyone should be able to see themselves in it and feel heard yeah. and be valued. And so, I mean, I know that church isn't for everyone, but if they wanted it to be, it should be available. Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Our world doesn't really always have, we don't have, I think, the language yet developed to understand what does it mean to like, yeah, not be religious, but still crave something. Kind of like you were saying, like have these questions or these spaces unfilled. And so unfortunately that goes into like appropriation or it goes into maybe spiritual practices that aren't actually rooted in like healthy, I don't know, tools or anything like that. I feel like we're in an interesting phase, at least in the circles that I'm often in, where people are using this kind of phrase, spiritual, not religious. So I'm not Christian anymore. I came out to my parents as not Christian this year, which was bigger than coming out as queer to them because, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you know, I don't know how that was for you. Oh, except you're Christian. I went went the other direction. Yeah, you totally went the other direction. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, I came out to them last year. Well, I told them bisexual because for them like even that was hard enough to comprehend like pansexual or queer is just not would not compute at this point in their journeys (laughs) which is fine because that was hard and even for them thinking that you could be you know along the spectrum or not straight and still go to heaven was really hard to grasp but I think they could get there and they really believe in a heaven hell dichotomy so that was really challenging but they could like I've had some other family members who've kind of done a lot of work to like be Christian and be fully celebrating. So there it was at least like a, I think a light for them at like, okay, we'll read some books. We'll talk to family. Like at least, you know, she's going to heaven. And then this year coming out as not Christian was a bit tough. Not that we have to get into that, but I think, I think they handled it well. I told them that while at a geographical distance, which was really important for my own safety, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I only can imagine how they reacted to it, but they at least like responded well in terms of their communication with me, which was really good. Um, But all of that to say is like, I still definitely, like even though I've pretty intentionally left some of those systems, I don't feel like I have practices now, you know? Or maybe I have little ones for sure, but I don't have a structure anymore to kind of say like, these are our weekly meditative practices and these are the holidays that bring us back to certain themes that are life to reflect on or you know I had to kind of walk away from some of those which maybe I'll reclaim later for myself I think there could be some Christian things that I reclaim later but I can't do that now so but anyway all that to say is like spiritual or spirituality is the maybe one of the best words that I have to describe like what I'm looking for but there's not really many places to land. And I find a lot of people mm. are on that journey. So it's interesting the work mm-hmm. that you're you're doing like in a lot of ways because it resonates. Yeah, it makes me think of a, a welcome I did at the uh, when I was leading a worship service recently where I just said, like, 
you're here because you want to be here and because you're allowed to have doubt and you're allowed to be curious or you're allowed mm. to be wherever you're at with mm. your relationship with religion and God and this space is still for you. Mm. That's good. A, I, I think, yeah. Just setting that precedent. It's a lot to just walk in the building, I think, for so totally. many people. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Mm. I, maybe this sort of touches on, like, a bit of my journey, too, with, like, how faith and sexuality or even just, like, love and relationships are connected. Because I remember having this thought one day of, like, if you wouldn't date your image of God, why would you believe in that God? <laughs> wow. Right? Because I think so often we get exposed in these um, intense organized religions where it's, like... Um, you know, you don't get to actually form a relationship with God. You get brought into a space and saying, here it is. This is what you have to think. It's going to be this way. Mm. No questions, no dialogue, nothing. Mm-hmm. And like that is, I don't know, is that an abusive relationship? It's toxic. It's it's certainly not Definitely. healthy. Yeah. Right? And I think if I were to get into any relationship today with any other person, there's so many skills that I use, right? Yeah. There's yeah. so many ways that I express boundaries, needs. Yeah. Um, everything yeah Yeah. engage in dialogue there's reciprocity Mm -hmm. right so i can see why so many people are just really confused about their relationship with god if they've Mm -hmm. never been told that they could actually have one that it actually or that it doesn't need to be abusive right and that you have the right to set up boundaries that feel good Mm. right so if you're thinking that god is a god of love yeah then that relationship has to be loving and just Huh. There can't be coercion. There can't be this like yeah. unjust power dynamic that makes you feel so inadequate or yeah. fearful or yeah. How would you conceptualize that word God? Like what does most of the spaces that I grew up in, some of them now changing, but most of them would still definitely use like God the Father um, language just across the board, you know, and and all of the references to God being very much like he. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, what a what a hot patriarchal mess, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> like God became a father. Yeah. And then that was that was it. And I mean father within a patriarchal society, right? Like like within the sense that there's like right. so many ideas of toxic masculinity, misogyny, like all that, right? right? Wrapped Not up like a healthy father image. who has like his power in check. Right. Right, because I think it it can be helpful to imagine God as, you know, a loving parent that is all-knowing so that offers mm. protection in a ways when you just couldn't know or can't know, right? Yeah. Um, but that would be just one image. Right. I often use the language, it almost works better when you write it, of mm. love slash justice, because mm. I think those things are interconnected and can't be separated. Mm. And that's what I would say is... Mm. Like how I would describe God. And in terms of imagery, the one that I turn to most often is that of a spiral. Ooh. Um, because I see it as something that is about holding space for lots of different tensions. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of multiplicity and there's this like dynamic sense of it's always moving and changing. Mm. And we're, you know, like one thing I think about is how the more you know yourself, the more you're able to know God, and the mm-hmm. more you know yourself and God, the more you're able to understand all of creation. Mm. And that those things are always sort of spiraling, spiraling around each other. Mm. 
I'm just going to pause here to let you know that Body and Wine Podcast encourages guests to freely discuss their experiences, ideas, and opinions. These beliefs and stories are representative of the individuals that share them. Amongst laughs and bits of wisdom, these conversations can include varying challenges related to belief and sexuality. Please use your discretion as you listen, and as always, take care of yourself. Okay, let's get back to it. In terms of kind of working through like the patriarchal dynamic of some of the systems that you're in, have there been any like key thinkers or individuals or ideas that have been helpful for you like along your own journey of being queer and being Christian? You know, it's it's sort of interesting. I think there is probably a list that I could curate if I went back over all the sort of different pieces I've ingested over the years, but I like predominantly would name it as it being um, queer and trans people, especially queer and trans people of color, mm. who are reflecting um, very deeply on ideas about justice, solidarity, and how that connects to um, intimacy and relationships and mm. community, all those things together. How that's really informed my spirituality. I actually in a lot of ways feel like I took a lot of knowledge out of queer communities and just conversations and experiences and Mm. workshops and organizing and that that was a lot of the knowledge that really um like I I know I went to seminary yeah I also read (laughs) Calvin and you know all these old dead white men and that that was a piece of what I needed to learn Mm. but um but it's like the knowledge on the ground kind of What actually felt like my spiritual journey of me being led towards actually knowing God there. Yeah. (laughs) What were a lot of those experiences and being able to integrate Mm. them. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I am. This experience of coming out as queer and coming out as Christian at the same time, I think, was a really um, beautiful gift in terms of the conversations those identities had with each other Mm. and also what it meant to be in those different spaces in terms of communities yeah the queer communities that i was a part of taught me a lot about self-expression about knowing yourself Mm. around how trauma impacts our relationships Mm. how we perceive the world and each other Mm. um, about consent Mm -hmm. boundaries Mm -hmm. and that those were things that i didn't really see churches doing all that well yeah and and churches though were really good at explicitly naming the necessity for concepts like hope as a reason why you gather Mm. and having rituals Mm -hmm. as an established part of your practice and using art the the fact that getting together and singing yeah is really important and so there was a lot of um, rich traditions Mm -hmm. that I thought, yeah, it would be nice if our justice movements or queer right. communities were thinking about these things as well. And do you see some of those melding together well, separate? The amazing thing about being as like unapologetically or obnoxiously uh, <laughs> queer and <laughs> Christian great. as yeah. I've been yeah. is that it, you sort of turn yourself into a bit of a like a magnet. So then you're just mm. sort of like out there sort of broadcasting this signal and yeah. people do pick it up. Yeah. Um, so it's been really neat how, you mm. know, I've been involved with some intentional like LGBTQ plus Christian spaces mm-hmm. and meeting people there and meeting people that have done the work long before me. But then, yeah, just finding people from all over mm. that are also 
asking similar questions and yeah. figuring out what to do about, you know, what feels so disruptive about claiming right. to be a queer and Christian and also celebrating that. Hmm. So yeah, there's, huh. that's out there. Yeah. I guess that makes me wonder, do you ever get any sort of, like if you say you're Christian within a queer space, like do you get people who are judgmental of that or they just don't know how to process it? <laughs> <laughs> I have been in spaces where, you know, people have kind of said, well, if you are religious, then you're just uh, stupid, right? <gasps> like, you're just fooling yourself. Oh my like, gosh. that's just ridiculous. Mm. And so the lesson there, I think, is to appreciate that um, sometimes that's what trauma sounds like, yeah. right? And uh, being able to say, well, that can be your story, and I will make space to hold the pain I hear you yeah. expressing, but I don't have to hold that that you shared to me like that doesn't have to be something I carry with yeah. me as like my own hurt and that's happened but I find that because where I'm at is that I'm trying to be very um I'm looking for other people that are also asking questions around mm. sexuality and gender identity mm -hmm. and faith and most people then when they meet me are just sort of curious mm. I mean every so often it's more likely that I'm going to bump into Christians who are upset about the fact that I'm claiming to be queer. Yeah. Um, yeah, that seems a little bit more, I guess, obvious <laughs> to or, me, which is so unfortunate. Or that I'm not a man and that I have mm. leadership roles in a church. Like, wow. there's a lot of ways that I can experience ups upset church. more conservative. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm. And then how do you how do you work through that then? Is that something now that you feel tools wise you can brush off pretty easily, or are there things that kind of yeah. anchor you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, God has been so good to me. Mm. I feel like I think so. Last two years ago, so twenty eighteen Pride, I mm. marched with my church. Mm -hmm. This is here in Pride uh, for in Toronto, and um, as I rounded the corner for like the last little bit there was this group that have, you know, those, like, homophobia, like, those, like, really, like, those mm. huge banners that wow. just have, like, the Bible verses and all oh that stuff. Oh, my goodness. Um, about, like, how you're going to hell and how oh. sex is a sin and mm. all this stuff. Like, I just done all this marching and had such a great experience. Yeah, and, and then you're faced with that. People, like, when I march in Pride and I'm, like, I'm queer and Christian, people are generally very excited about that. Totally, It right. seems to be a very powerful and, like, healing cool. thing. Yeah. Or, or they're just happy for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I was carrying a sign that just said, thank God, I'm yeah. queer. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but right then, then there's this group that's there mm -hmm. uh, of I assume Christians. Supposedly your, you know, siblings in the Lord kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, this is Sunday. What are you doing here? <laughs> is this what church looks like right. to you? Yeah. Um, so just like sort of immediately my reaction was to like rush over and I had signs and mm. I was there with other people and we wow. were just trying to hold up signs in front so oh, that good for you. They, we could block them out as much as possible. So I'm in a weird space there because I'm wearing my clergy robe. I'm yeah. with someone beside me that has their yeah. collar on and the people behind us, these Christian counter protesters mm. that are being homophobic are saying scripture verses to me about how like I'm going to a particular place in hell because I'm a religious leader that's like leading <gasps> other people. Where do they get astray. these ideas from? And so they're like getting upset and yelling at me wow. about this. 
what was interesting then is like people are also turning around and trying to see what's going on and they're seeing me and they're doing this double take right mm. of being like oh there's that christian that's being bigoted mm. and then having that moment where they go oh wait <laughs> i think they're on our side <laughs> they're trying to help right huh. and people realizing that and you know people coming mm. up to me and like crying and saying thank you i'm so glad oh, you're here yeah. and wanting to hug me yeah and you know i just that's why you do it yeah and so then it doesn't really matter what yeah the other people are saying well and i have to say i feel like that display is easier to brush off than the experiences i've had sitting with someone for half an hour thinking we're having a great conversation mm. and then having that moment when it turns mm. and then all of a sudden they start telling me that i'm like a false prophet wow. or you know oh <laughs> whatever it is yeah um and that it's where it feels like a safe space or a friendship or something and then it's Right, and it's like, oh, mm. okay. Mm. Right, and now we have to pretend like it's okay that we're just disagreeing and it's just a conversation because then it's not as clear. I had an experience a few years ago. It was not about me being queer because this person did not know that. But I had met up with, I had been, it was the last time I think I did human rights documentation in Palestine. And mm -hmm. I had just got back, like I think a week and a half before this event happened back to Toronto and I guess through Facebook or something a former youth leader of mine contacted me and saying like oh you're back in town like would love to catch up and meet up with you for coffee while you're back for the holidays and and I was just really excited and this was someone who had meant a lot to me especially in junior high like mm. he had been an, an older leader who had just kind of really given a lot of leadership opportunities to a few of my friends and I when we were already really young but kind of just like saw potential in us and just gave us a lot of freedom to like be the leaders that we were and and so I had like really fond memories of him yeah and so I was just excited to like meet up with this leader see where he's at whatever and you know he gets to see me like fully being my adult self and doing things and whatever and probably hadn't seen him in like 15 years and Oh, and he had also framed it like, I would love to hear more about your recent work in Palestine. So it was right. like, great. Okay. So we get together at a Tim Hortons over like a really, you know, he buys me a coffee and we sit down and we're having a really like smiling, friendly catch up, you know, and then he's like a really, in a really friendly way. So like, tell me about, you know, like you just got back. And now I had just, well, first I had brought a photo album with me to kind of, sometimes it's helpful for me to like tell stories because it's like, okay, there was this place and whatever. Yeah. So I have these photos and I start going through them and also contextually for me at that point, I had just, right before I flew, a very good friend of mine doing the same work had been shot in the chest and he did end up surviving, but he was shot with live ammunition, close range. And it, the bullet whizzed past his heart and like it was just like millimeters away from his spinal cord. And it was just a miracle that he was alive, let alone oh like none God. of his major organs were ended up being damaged. And so we ended up like I literally went from the hospital to my flight. Couldn't miss my flight because my visa was up and I couldn't extend it and all these things, let alone the three months before that, where there's just a lot of intensity that goes on. So for me, it was like it's it was healing to have someone from my past like tell me about your time I was yeah just feeling really like safe in that space dealing with a lot of my own trauma or just kind of like holding it at bay you know he as I'm like starting to tell him things I start to like 
it was it was super weird because he kind of didn't change his body language like he was just like looking across from me responding smiling like joining in conversation but then all of a sudden my gut starts to go off like what he's saying is a bit weird or different but I didn't really understand why he started to I think basically like change his language around like you know when I was talking about certain conflict going on in the West Bank or a certain arrest of this child or whatever and but then it took a turn and he brings out his bible you know and he starts really quickly diving down the road of to be against Israel is to to go to hell and then he kept cutting me off but also with this like smiling face and it was so bizarre and and then he goes on and just continues to interrupt, like saying that I'm going to hell unless I repent and stop like working against Israel and just would not listen to anything that I had to say. I ended up getting up and going to the bathroom because I there was just that point in myself where I'm like, I don't even really know. You know, sometimes you're shocked in a conversation and you don't really know. Well, especially with the smiling face. Yeah, it's very like bizarre. That, that's so overwhelming. Yeah. So I ended up oh going to the bathroom God. and realizing like I can't this is not going to be like a healthy conversation. So I just, I'm going to get out of it. So I did, I just kind of basically went back to him and said like, this is not a conversation. Like you have manipulated me into this. You can let me know if you ever want to listen to what I have to say again, but like, this is whatever, really toxic, really unfair. And I'm not going to hell. Bye. And left. But it was super, it was one of those really jarring and unfortunate moments. And because especially when there's this person who represents in a way, like a period of your life where you, I mean, I have a lot of negative times that memories from that time, but I also have a lot of positive ones. And he, you know, then there, my mind starts to go to like, was he that manipulative to me as a young person? And I just didn't realize like, because he really did teach me a lot like about the Bible and God. And yeah, it was very strange. Well, the, the, the violence that is done in the name of Christianity with a smiling face, right? Yeah. Right. Right. And how that is just, I feel like that's like a particular type of evil that I really struggle with. Mm hmm. Because it's so hard to name, yes. especially in and the call out with the person, right? Because totally. they can just say, "I'm just doing this because I care about yeah. you." Yeah. Um. How, if I could ask, how was your kind of family dynamic along some of this journey for you? In a way, I will say that um, coming out as queer was like. The lesson that I learned around that is how um, important it is to be very intentional in creating space that feels safe and welcoming. My parents were the type that like did LGBTQ in the 80s, what would have been LGBT <laughs> activism. <laughs> right. And like, I always try to be mindful about like huh. the alphabet. I've been trying to move towards saying right. two-spirit and LGBTQ. Yeah, great. But then I'm like, right, if we're talking about the 80s right. and the work my parents are doing. But, you know, when I came out, they were like, just to be clear, we did activism around this stuff before you were born. Like, it's great that you're queer, but, yeah. like, you yeah. know, yeah. we always care. <laughs> the conversation. Uh, but that part of the struggle, it took me a while to come out to them because mm-hmm. I think there was just, like, almost like this... We don't care what you are. And what I think I needed in some ways was for someone to say, how's it going? What's going on? Hmm. What are the questions that you have? What is challenging? Hmm. You know, because I feel like I was trying to come out and just feeling affirmed in an identity because sexuality is so relational, right? I kept thinking, oh, well, if I get a girlfriend, then that will be how I come out. Right. This girlfriend just never... 
Kinoa. <laughs> because it's like Whitby in the mid-2000s. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> right, but just this concept of, like, how you have to, like, encourage and nurture conversations where people can step mm. into the space um, that in- indifference really isn't an effective way of addressing people's right. lived experiences of oppression. Right. Um, especially... Because it's not nothing for you. Yeah. Right. And I think, like, especially when it's, like, it's something that's going on so internally. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously with other experiences of oppression, it's quite obvious. Yes. But... Yeah. My parents um, had to really, especially, like, my mom's 80s feminism needed a real update when I came out as non-binary. Mm-hmm. Um, because that just wasn't... was not taught. Wow. It, it's so neat to me to see young people coming out you know because i do work with youth groups you know and you have these 12 year olds that are like you know like identifying as like Mm. you know demisexual panromantic and i'm like there are 13 year olds definitely with way more language to describe themselves than me now i'm like teach me (laughs) yeah yeah and i just i i love that i think it's so great and I feel like sometimes people get, like, worried about the language and, like, how can they know they're, like, over-identifying? And I'm like, if it just gives them, like, a little bit of a tool to, like, feel seen and heard, then that's totally fine. Totally. And as long as people know they can change. Yeah. And is that... Okay, like, when you want to do ministry later after this internship, other than just getting a job, is there, like, a... (laughs) I don't know, are you kind of like, I really want to work in this space, or, like, whatever... Something that I feel I haven't seen modeled a lot, but what I have, I've been very excited and inspired by is people that are really good at um, holding sacred space um, online Hmm. or through social media. I am very interested in ways that my ministry could support um, sacred spaces Mm -hmm. um, online, um, and in particular around disclosures and how Mm -hmm. to share... Right. big life events um, especially ones connected to trauma in a way that's safe for people yeah I try to be um, intentional about expanding people's ideas of what church is like yeah. even when I'm like leading prayers I'm like God who calls us to be church that is not the building that is not an institution <laughs> yeah but like when you are present right you know and so just then, naming how... that explicitly yeah right? <laughs> like what what are you thinking is church not this mm. building that you happen to be sitting in right, right. now. Or, like, I'll go to a protest. Like, I'll go lead mm. worship, preach in the morning, and then be at a protest in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And if I post to social media, you know, it's like worship in the morning, protest in the afternoon, church all day. Wow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, all yeah. of that is church. The, all of that is church. Okay, yeah. I think mm-hmm. I've seen you post things about that. <laughs> so then what, if you were, if someone was to be like, what's your definition of church? What would you say? For me, like, church is the social movement that Jesus started. Mm. Or, I guess, Christ. And Christ has existed far beyond just that time where Jesus was the human on earth. Mm. So, it's God's social movement of pulling all of creation towards Mm. liberation. Cool. Love that. What do you think about, then, other um, faith systems? How does the, like, interreligious stuff feel for you or sit with you or I always feel honored when I'm invited to be in other spaces where I have to really humble myself and how little I know Mm. I think being a Christian is just you have so much power and provision society Mm. 
Yeah, just so deeply humbled. There was an experience I had in the fall after the shooting that happened at the synagogue in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. uh, Tree of Life. Mm-hmm. There was a group of Jewish people that organized in Toronto a vigil, and mm. I was invited to come speak. Mm. Um, and for me, like that was just such a great opportunity, and you know, to be able to be in a space as a Christian and just say like anti-semitism is really real and like so much of it is like our theological feelings as a church to have really wrestled with those things right like that's something where you know it's a an opportunity to really learn and be in Mm -hmm. solidarity Mm -hmm. and that's generally been my approach is that it's really great to be in other spaces and learn more and have you have you had any opportunities to be a part of queer communities within other faith systems? Yeah, we tend to be able to find each other. Yeah. Um, so I've never gone and like participated in, say, like a service or a prayer sure, meeting or right. something of another group that I can think of. Mm-hmm. But I've certainly like seen, like, conferences have hosted these like mm. interreligious or multi faith panels cool. and that sort of thing. Toronto's great like that. Yeah, There's you've got so accessibility to so many, and it's super diverse. When it comes to like being unapologetically queer, what is something that you love like the most about being yourself? I like the fact that the way that I've decided to live into being queer um, has this possibility to be disruptive and then also invitational Hmm. so for me like part about queerness is being very aware of what you stand against Hmm. and that for me queerness is about solidarity like I don't claim that just as an individual for myself but as Hmm. a you know as a way of naming that I belong to a movement and many communities that mm. are working for different types of justice. Mm. And, you know, like one thing that I mean is that, you know, queer liberation is not possible without decolonization. Right. So in naming myself as queer, I'm also always working to be accountable for the privileges I have and how all of that intersects and shows up in a community. Yeah. So for me, queerness is like an ongoing exercise of mm. being self-reflexive and then also really being aware of where I'm sitting in community Mm. yeah there's so there's I guess that's a a third piece maybe is that queerness is about um, knowing oneself in Mm. a way that you can really be accountable and then Mm. enable justice to happen Mm. but right yeah so like also just being able to be like I'm queer and like I can name that like patriarchy and capitalism settler colonialism like these are all things that hurt my fellow queer right. two-spirit people yeah and so i am against those things and i reject them outright yeah and like i'm allowed to have harsh boundaries I yeah just say no to those things but then queerness is just so nebulous and messy yeah and beautiful that it also invites a lot of conversation i need that right it's like it's so great because like queer can be Three hours on a couch sharing wine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it can also be, I'm not fucking you, so don't worry about it. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) So many things. At the same time. I like that a lot. I'm waiting for them to come up with a word that, like, acknowledges that sexual orientation is informed by, like, the violent realities of patriarchy. (laughs) 
you know? Like Maybe you can make one. Queer, queer, but I would probably avoid most men, you know? Yeah. Like, whatever right. that is. Definitely. Yeah, I'm scared of 99% of them. Yeah. <laughs> so there's got to be, like, a word for that out there. Or maybe that's just, like, an inherent piece of when we talk about queerness. Hold space for, yeah, yeah. how we're navigating so many things when it comes to desire and men identifying as feminist really hasn't uh that's like when no. i'm like eh, take it or leave it yeah in fact sometimes like when a man identifies as feminist and like talks a lot about it that's when i get afraid <laughs> if you identify as feminist super great if just, you just talk me. a lot about it yeah exactly <laughs> let's give it a year yeah we'll talk about it again this conversation is making me think about some of the processing that i had to do around coming out as queer and being Christian and I think ideas that I really thought queer community was almost like gonna save me huh. like I really thought it was going to be the answer to everything in my life that was wrong mm. and that there was this yeah real strong sense that like queerness is like love as justice is my right. definition of God and then mm. um, and almost sort of the way that I, I would expect church to be able to be all those things and be where you meet God yeah, yeah. I think I thought queer community my queer relationships is where I also encounter God and mm. how um, heartbreaking it was then to realize that queer people and queer communities can fail you yeah just the same way that yeah. church can fail you totally <laughs> just people yeah, yeah yeah it's actually just people right mm. um well i, I was, it's making me think of uh natio bolts uh weber do you know um, evangelical lutheran Christ, yeah. i guess they say pastor okay. in the states yeah um but she sort of oh, talks about... Oh, she's tattooed and... Okay. <laughs> tattooed with a collar. It's a great look. Yeah. <laughs> um, but her piece on a podcast I was listening to um, about just, like, the church will fail you. Mm -hmm. um, it totally will. Like, I, as a minister, will fail you. Mm -hmm. But please stick around long enough so that God's grace can be present in your life. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And I think back, like, maybe that was part of my challenge, too, was, mm -hmm. like, when queer community failed me. Like, what did grace look like in those spaces mm, yeah. um, and we really I think at that time as a queer community that I was a part of didn't have skills or language around mm. how to hold that yeah how to actually name that failure happens and that yes we're oppressed but that doesn't mean that we're perfect we fail and that we need to have space for grace mm -hmm. and forgiveness and reconciliation mm -hmm. especially when i was reflecting a bit on this last night actually this idea that like on the one hand i feel like some of the safest communities i've ever been in have been queer some of the strongest people i've ever encountered in my life have been queer and in some ways that's because i think at least for a lot of those individuals you know they've gone through or had to go through intense things in their life and so to get to where they are now have just built such incredible resilience or are so incredibly inclusive because they know how necessary that is right. you know but then on the other hand those same communities have also then therefore gone through just a lot of shit and a lot of trauma that they're like then having to unpack so in a way it's like these extremes like i found like yeah some of these right. communities to be the most freeing and then also like there's a lot going on here that we have to like deal with yes yeah, yeah. and i think also just like how interesting it is that like when you are a person of faith mm -hmm. and you believe in grace mm -hmm. it enables you then to do lgbtq justice work and mm -hmm. two-spirit justice work in a way where you can acknowledge that possibility yeah. um 
in a way that I think sometimes can be hard if you don't have that framework. Yeah, definitely. Okay, we should draw cards. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be a, a computer version? Online. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then yeah. I can explain to you what okay. I've got here. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, Planned Parenthood Toronto uh, got some funding to be able to do a queering sex ed program. And so they got oh. queer and trans youth. I think that it was like between... 16 and 25 was the age there was some high school age and then I was also in my early 20s Mm -hmm. um, asking questions around what resources do we actually need for sex ed to be comprehensive and really work wow especially for queer and trans people and some of the things we're doing was talking about doing workshops and Mm -hmm. videos and some of the more generic resources and I was in seminary so I think I was thinking along sort of different lines and I noticed that a lot of queer and trans folks that I was doing ministry with, mm-hmm. or meeting with really responded to um, tarot cards and mm. reading in that sort of way. Yeah. And one of the things that I suggest is that we make a deck of cards that have affirmations designed intentionally for queer and trans people. Wow. Um, yeah, and so it's available online, and there's a link, and you can download Whoa. them and print them. Okay, I can put that resource in the podcast notes, too. Yeah. Um, cool. We sort of had generic categories that these belonged under, so ideas around gender identity, uh, around pleasure, around boundaries, wow. um, navigating how out you are, those sort of things. Mm. Um, and so if I had a physical copy here, I would ask you to maybe draw a card Mm -hmm. but since I'm looking on the website I think maybe what you can do is if you can choose a number between 1 and 62 (laughs) I'll just scroll to that number beautiful and that will be Uh, the first number that just randomly came to my head is 37 okay (gasps) cool here's uh, the card you pulled okay so the category is self love you can be gentle with yourself when you make mistakes Oh, I love that. Do you want to pick a random number? So, like, one that I think really spoke to me at the time when we were writing these, because these are a lot that I sort of, like, wrote even for myself, Mm. um, was um, the categories around recovery and healing. Mm -hmm. And it says, I am not a bad person because my trauma makes the world a hard place to navigate. Hmm. That's so beautiful. Hmm. And so I think what's really beautiful about the resource is that Mm. um, you can just hand it to an individual and they can take it with them and then they have all this love from all these queer and trans youth that got together to create this. Um, But as facilitators, I've used it in a lot of workshops as well. And um, even in spaces where there are, you know, predominantly, say, allies Mm -hmm. or people that are very much in a journey in Mm. understanding if they're an ally or what that looks Mm -hmm. like. To then just ask, like, who would this card really speak to? Mm-hmm. Like, to encourage um, empathy. Like, yeah. Even though the deck is designed with this intention for a particular audience, I think it's it's a gift to everyone. Definitely. Hmm. Is there something, like, I don't know, just if there was a listener that was, like, someone who needed to come out in some way like a tip that you would have or a resource yeah I mean my thoughts about coming out is that I think um, 
we put a lot of pressure and effort on people to come out and i think the questions we should be asking ourselves is how can we as people that have privilege in any way Mm. um, be making it more possible and safer for people to come out and like why do people need to come out in the first place Mm. Um, and so what are we doing as um, leaders in communities as parents you know as people that are really socializing children and youth like why do we keep putting pressure on people that are experiencing oppression Mm. as two-spirit LGBTQ to figure it out to do it and navigate it all on their own Um, and so I think like that's like a big piece around coming out it's just like flipping the question around great um back onto the people with the most power and privilege in those situations but for the individuals i think um i think one of the cards in the affirmation deck just kind of basically say like come out when you want how you want and it doesn't have to be the way you think everyone else has done it especially as like uplifted in like dominant western culture Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um right like you don't have to put yourself in a painful situation in order to feel like you're valid right um and i i just would say that you know your authenticity is not at stake if you haven't come out you're not lying you know because you're in this like broken world that has made it yeah that you feel this way yeah um and so just to remember that you can take it slow and Mm -hmm. that you can do it in a way that feels good and Mm -hmm. creative Mm -hmm. and like with people that you trust and that you know you feel safe around Mm -hmm. you don't have to necessarily put yourself out there in a way that doesn't feel good or feel right right and that you don't have to do it alone right the idea of coming out is that you should have people there to support you and it's okay to be like i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna want to talk to you afterwards or i'm gonna want Mm. you to feel like you're around with your car so if i need to leave the house afterwards or whatever like you know that it can be a community effort totally for you to navigate something that can feel so individualized Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. well thanks so much for like sharing yeah these like pieces of yourself this has been wonderful yeah good great conversation (laughs) yeah i'm Mm -hmm. glad that you're someone that's making space for many of these conversations to happen Mm. i'm glad to hear that yeah Mm -hmm. it's good and i appreciate so much of like what you've had to say and i'm sure a lot of other people will will be too you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yeah thanks so much for your work too it'll be exciting to see like where you go over the years I don't know I, know. I just feel next? like you're going to be involved slash already are in some pretty cool projects and stuff I'm looking forward to it cool I never know how to sign off on these things <laughs> like <laughs> bye <laughs> I think probably what I'm going to do I have an intro already but I'm probably just going to start like doing an outro because generally they just kind of fade out or they get funny <laughs> And that's all for today, folks. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Any resources listed from today's podcast, I will post on the podcast website. And if there's anything missing there, feel free to message me on the Instagram page at Body and Wine Podcast. And also feel free to like it if you like it. And I'll add you back. Yeah. Feel free to share with anyone you think might benefit from this conversation. And regardless, have a lovely rest of your day.